Welcome to the old radio. The the old radio. The old the old. Ra- It's the old radio comedy podcast. Hello there. I'm Greg Fordyce. Welcome to another hump day happy hour edition of the old radio comedy podcast featuring not one, but two count them two classic comedy episodes from the golden age of radio. Today, we're bringing you that great show, The Magnificent Montague, starring Monty Woolley as an out-of-work Shakespearean actor whose gigantic ego won't allow him to take any acting job that doesn't have him in the starring role. Eventually, he must swallow his pride and take a lowly job as a radio actor, which he feels is the bottom of the barrel. And the show revolves around the daily misadventures of he, his wife, and their live-in mate and Montague's efforts to avoid having his snooty club members find out how low he has sunk. His wife was played by Anne Seymour and the maid by Pert Kelton, and the show ran from November 1950 through September 1951. Now, before we get started with the first of our two episodes, let me remind you to visit us at anchor.fm slash podcast and leave a comment or a suggestion for a future show. Please be sure to include your name and location in case I decide to use your message on the podcast. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. We'll be right back after this brief word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, the premiere episode of The Magnificent Montague, starring role in radio, originally broadcast on November 10th, 1950. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Magnificent Montague, starring Monty Woolley. In 1926, reviewing Edwin Montague's great performance in King Lear, Burns Mantle referred to him as the Magnificent Montague. Edwin never forgave Burns Mantle for that understatement. Today, still happily married to his one-time leading lady, Lily Boehm, Edwin Montague courageously remains true to his conviction that he is the world's greatest actor. In the last eight years, he's refused to act in any play in which he did not have the starring role. In the last eight years, he's refused to be in any drama in which he did not have the privilege of rewriting and directing personally. In the last eight years, he hasn't worked. But Edwin Montague knows that there will be a return of that golden era of the New York stage in Shakespeare. And when that time comes... By the way, the time right now is two in the afternoon, and we're in the Montague apartment. Okay, okay. Take it easy, you'll last longer. The residents of Edwin Montague and Miss Lily Boehm, they ain't up yet. Who knows when... They're actors. It could be ten minutes. It could be next Tuesday. Who knows? Well, I'll take it, Agnes. Here, honey. Please get me some coffee. Hello, Charlie. Well, I really haven't asked Edwin yet. You see... Now, wait. Wait, Charlie. I promise I'll ask him as soon as he gets up. And what's more, you can tell them he'll take the job. Yes. Goodbye. Here's your coffee, honey. Agnes, what do you think? My husband, Edwin Montague, is going to work. You're kidding. No. This is the end of one of the world's biggest non-profit organizations. Agnes, you'll see. He'll be easier to get along with. He'll be a changed man. Yeah, I guess so. Still, it was kind of fascinating watching him gracefully slide from unemployment insurance into social security. (laughs) So he found a play, huh? Well, it's not a play. He's going into radio. Agnes, my coffee. 
Oh, leave some dishes for him to smash when I tell him about it. Radio. And he doesn't know yet. Uh-uh. Agnes, a job will snap him out of this dream he has that he's still the foundation of the American theater. Otherwise, he'll spend the rest of his life sitting around the proscenium club with those broken-down hams. You mean the rest of the broken-down hams. Agnes, that'll be quite enough. The big matinee idol. The Sinatra of the 20s. The way he lords it around this house. Agnes, stop. The great Montague, the great windbag. Stop. The big actor. And all the time it was you who had more acting talent than he ever hoped to have. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you know what, honey? What? You're a bigger ham than he is. <laughs> I never doubted it. Oh, now, please, Agnes, no fights with him this morning. Everything has got to go right. Did you get his imported kippers? I could only get the domestic kippers. Oh, well. They're the same, aren't they? Identical. They taste the same, smell the same, feel the same. Good. But he'll know the difference. I never seen such a lowlife who lives so high. Agnes, please. English kippers, British clothes, imported shoes. What's he trying to do? Single-handedly pull England out of the red? <laughs> Agnes, just this morning, don't say anything that will irritate him. He's up. Get his breakfast ready. He's doing his morning vocal exercises already. That means he's finished combing his beard. Oh, brother, he takes care of that beard like a chorus girl with her first mink. <laughs> now we'll start roaming the hills. I roam the hills. Quick, quick, Agnes, here he comes. Good morning, Edwin. Sit down. I roam the hills. Good morning, Lily. He made it. Uh, good morning, Agnes I see you got here this morning I suppose you arrived by your usual means of transportation A broom Edwin, please It's such a beautiful day And I must say you look so, so dashing this morning, doesn't he, Agnes? Oh, I think he's a drain <laughs> Agnes <laughs> Agnes, my dear Agnes, it is a little early to start debating our respective beauty. All I can say is that after 25 years of having to look at your face before eating breakfast, there can be but one epitaph on my tombstone. Edwin Montague, he had a strong stomach. Please, now please, no quarrels. Look, Edwin, Agnes fixed your breakfast just the way you like it. Well, there must be a first time. Here, Edwin, your raw egg and Worcestershire sauce. Kippered herring, a broiled veal kidney, two mutton chops rare, and old gratin potatoes. The breakfast of champions. Excellent. <laughs> now, uh, you go ahead and eat, Edwin. Oh, uh, by the way, Charlie Foster telephoned this morning. Oh? He feels that he has at last found the most... What's the matter? Domestic kippers. Edwin! Domestic kippers, what is this place becoming? A white tower? <laughs> This is another of Agnes's attempts to poison me. Look at that kipper. It looks off. What do you think the kipper's thinking about, looking up at you? <laughs> now, listen, Miss Housemaid's knee of 19 or 2. If you... Edwin, we couldn't get imported kippers this morning. Now, uh, will you please let me go on? Sorry, dear. Go on. How about Charlie, yeah? Now, I, uh, I don't want you to be shocked. Shocked? <laughs> Nothing could shock me after that excitement we had at the Proscenium Club last night. We had to drum Cecil Banks out of the organization. Oh, poor old Cecil. What did he do? We found out Cecil's going into radio. Radio? Yes, ra uh, please don't make me repeat that word again. Cecil Banks, another deserter of the theater. I was up until three in the morning, striking out all reference to him in my memoirs. Another name gone. Radio. Better to dig ditches than that. <laughs> oh, now, what's this about Charlie uh, Foster? Well, Edwin, uh, Charlie Foster has a job for you. The starring role. I knew it. I knew it. They finally found a Juliet for me. It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's not? Oh. No. You see, this job that Charlie has for you is... Imagine, in all New York, they can't find a Juliet. Ah, if you only hadn't let yourself go, but... But continue, darling. Tell me about the job. Well? 
Edwin, what did you mean by if I just hadn't let myself go? <laughs> oh, now, Lily, I didn't mean your looks or your going to seed or anything like that. Well, just what did you mean? Well, I meant, uh, I meant, well, you found new interests. Every afternoon, you're, you're busy as secretary of the women's bird watchers of America. That's all I meant. Oh. Why, Lily, honey... You're still as charming and as captivating as the day I first picked you out of the chorus of the Notting Little Princess and made you my leading lady. <laughs> now, what about this job? Edwin, I honestly don't want to bring this up again. But once and for all, it's got to be settled between us. I was not in the chorus of the Naughty Little Princess. I was the star. Oh, no, not that again. And you didn't pick me to be your leading lady. David Belasco had to talk me into it. You were known as the worst scene stealer on the American stage. I, a scene stealer? Let's face it, darling. I spent five years on the stage with you before I knew there was an audience. You so gallantly hid it from me. <laughs> well, so that's how you felt. This, then, is my penalty for loving an envious woman. Envious? I never envied you, Edwin. I stood aside as you took your bows. I was content and happy. But in all decency, allow me the memory. The memory of the little success that I did have. Say that again. The whole thing? <laughs> no, 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 just the, just the end. Uh, but allow me the memory of the little success. That I did have. Gad, what a reading. What resonance and fire. Oh, Lily, you've still got it, old girl. You've still got it. Bravo, oh, bravo. Stop it, both of <laughs> Go ahead, darling. Anything you want me to do. Just Anything? Yes. Strike while the iron's hot. Uh, Edwin, <clears throat> this job Charlie has for you is, of course, the starring role. Yes. Well, what is it? An afternoon radio program. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I have a pretzel in the oven. Stay here. It had to be my own wife who said that. It couldn't have been a stranger. A stranger I could strangle, crush, and trample into the ground for suggesting that I, Edwin Montague, go into radio. But Edwin... Silence! Edwin Montague in radio? Never! Not as long as there is breath in my body. Well, you'd better have breath in your body, because unless you get a job, there'll be no food in it. <laughs> you mean our money is gone? Darling, what do you think I've been using for the last eight years to pay for your imported kippers? Your imported cigar bands? Now, this radio job... Radio? No, I'll dig ditches first. Edwin, what is this newfound confidence you have in digging ditches? The only time you ever held a shovel was in the play Hill of Gold, and then on opening night you used the wrong end. Oh, Lily, anything but radio. My friends at the Presidium Club will, will, will stone me. The Shalimar Soap Company will pay $200 a week. No one will know it's you. There will be absolutely no publicity. Oh, no, Lily, I can't. Not radio. That's what killed the stage. If I must sell soap, let me at least maintain my pride and do it from door to door. Edwin, are you going to take the job? To be or not to be, that is the problem. That is the question. That is the question. Whether Edwin, Edwin, yes or no? Well? No one will know it's me. Nobody. Because, you know, if the news leaks out that I'm in radio, I shall automatically commit suicide. Naturally. Well, Edwin? Oh, that this too, too solid flesh would melt and resolve itself. Thaw and resolve itself. Thaw and... Edwin, Edwin, are you going to take the job? To be or not to be. Edwin, it pays $200 a week. The starring role? You play a character called Uncle Goodheart. Uncle... Death, where is thy sting? Well, Edwin, yes or no? I must bow to the fates. Yes. Edwin, I'm proud of you. I'll call Charlie. Please. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'll retire to my study where I'm going to make the final revision on my memoirs. I'm going to strike my own name out of it. <laughs> Have you 
the orange juice. Got it. Black coffee? It's all here. You're sure? It's 8 o'clock. It's 5 after. You're going to wake him up? <sighs> here goes. Edwin, darling, time to get up and go to the radio station for your first program. Try again. Put some beef in it. <laughs> Edwin, darling, it's time to get up. Help me out, Agnes. Okay, you take one ear, I'll take the other. Let's go. Edwin, darling, it's time to get up. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's stirring. What's happened? What is it? Time to get up, darling. It's 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock? God, I've, I've overslept. No, dear, you don't understand. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Morning? Well, that's ridiculous. Look, it's, it's dark. The sun shines in the morning. I read that in a book somewhere. Now, sit up, sweetheart. Agnes, the black coffee. Right. I hope it's still hot. It is. Here. All right. Now, Edwin, this coffee... Edwin? Edwin? Come on, Agnes. Edwin, Edwin darling, it's time to get up. Oh, Lily, this is ridiculous. Why... Even as a baby, I never got up until noon. <laughs> now just drink this coffee, sweet. Lily, I, I can't be seen at this hour. They'll think I'm a burglar. And <laughs> you have to be at the studio at nine. Now, no more nonsense. Agnes, the brown suit, a white shirt and brown tie. Coming up. Now the shoes and socks. Here, honey. Thank you. All right, Edwin, you dress what... Edwin? <sighs> Once more, Agnes. Edwin, darling, it's, it's time, time to get up. All right, I'm up. Ladies and gentlemen... Tonight is the night for the return of Duffy's Tavern. Your host will be the ungrammatical Archie played by Ed Gardner. Duffy won't be there as usual, but he will be represented by his undeniably charming daughter, Miss Duffy. Clifton Finnegan and Eddie the Waiter will also be on hand to join in the mischief which Archie will undoubtedly cook up. The chimes are your invitation to top Friday evening listening later tonight with Duffy's Tavern over most of these NBC stations. And a reminder, this Sunday on NBC, it's the big show once again, an hour and a half of the best in comedy, music, and drama. And now let's listen to the magnificent Montague at his first radio rehearsal. Hold it, cast. Before I start directing you in the first rehearsal of Uncle Goodhart, Mr. Springer, our head of production, would like to say a few words. Mr. Springer. Thank you, Mr. Zinzar. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be brief. Our sponsor is the Shalimar Soap Company. We go on the air directly opposite our biggest competitor's program, Aunt Agatha. Our program, Uncle Goodhart, must be a weapon. A weapon that will strike so hard, so true, that it'll wipe Aunt Agatha off the air lanes. It's up to you. Carry on. <laughs> okay, Cass, let's rehearse it right uh, from uh, the... Uh, excuse me, but isn't this all a waste of time? A waste of time, Mr. Yes, Montague? before rehearsal, I'd like to take a few weeks to work out the character and sit with the writers and develop... A, a... few weeks to... Mr. Montague, this program goes on the air in half an hour. Half an hour? You mean every week I have... Every week? Five times a week. Five times? Oh, not with me, you don't. What am I, a jukebox? <laughs> Mr. Montague, this is radio. What's you... up? What's up? Any trouble? Uh, nothing, Mr. Springer. This is Mr. Edwin Montague, our Uncle Goodhart. Now, how do you do? I was explaining certain things to Mr. Montague. He's new in radio. What? New in radio? Zinza, for the leading role on a program as important as this, you use an unknown amateur? An unknown amateur? Why, you filthy little... Mr. Montague, this filthy little... I mean, this is Mr. Springer, the producer who... Zinza, I demand... But, Mr. Springer, Mr. Montague is one of the great actors of the legitimate stage. It was a stroke of sheer luck to get him as Uncle Goodhart. Oh? Sorry I offended you, old man. Hmm. 
Personally, I never go to plays. I always say, give me the movies. You see the best actors and they let you smoke in the balcony. (laughs) 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 The movies. My dear sir, it's men with brains like yours that make morons overconfident. (laughs) Rehearsal. Okay, Cass, let's go. No music, just a dry run. Bartley and Melissa drive up. Sound? That must be the cottage over there, Bartley. Do you think he's home? Oh, he's got to be. It's our only hope. Oh, look. That must be he coming to meet us. Hello, Uncle Goodhart. Hello, and bless you. Hold it. Mr. Montague, you were off mic. Off mic? Yes. (laughs) Please speak into the microphone. Thank you, but I don't use the microphone. Yes. <laughs> Let's take it from... Uh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Montague. I said I don't use a microphone. You don't use a microphone? And my good man, this may seem strange to you, but I come from an era of the theater where an actor's voice did not need the aid of these artificial doodads in order to be heard. My voice projection is famous, you know. But Mr. Montague... <laughs> ברוכים Zinzer, I hold you personally responsible. Please, Mr. Montague, ever since I saw you in Macbeth when I was just a child, you've been my idol. Please trust me when I say in radio you have to speak into a microphone. Well, very well. <laughs> so you saw me in Macbeth, eh? Remember this? I will not yield to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet and be baited with a rabble's curse. I throw my warlike shield. Lay on, Macduff! Huh? Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful, wasn't it, Mr. Springer? Zinza, remember when I said without a microphone they wouldn't hear him in Denver? Yeah. I think he could do it. <laughs> We'd better get on. Uh, Mr. Montague, we'll take it from where Melissa and Bartley approach you. Page five. Page five. Uh, Oh, here it is. That must be the cottage over there, Bartley. Do you think he's home? Oh, he's got to be. It's our only hope. Oh, look. That must be he coming to meet us. Hello, Uncle Goodhart. Hello, and bless you, my children. Why, as I live and breathe, if it isn't Zeke Chickering's little girl, Melissa. Oh, Uncle Goodhart. And mercy be, child, for the way you're blushing. I'll bet this tall, good-looking fellow with you is your beau. Now, fess up. Fess up. <laughs> Please, Mr. Montague. Uh, I, I should very much like to meet the writer of this epic. I've never seen... I, I've never seen a three-year-old operate a typewriter before. Please, Mr. Montague, we're trying to get a timing. Your line, Bartley. I am Bartley Boswell, Uncle Goodhart. Doc Boswell's son. Oh, Uncle Goodhart, something terrible has happened. Bartley and I can't get married. Now come, come, child. We, we must look at the sunny side. Hold it! Mr. Montague, you'll have to speed that up a little. Speed it up? Yeah. (laughs) When you see me twirl my index finger like this, it means speed it up. Your index finger? Uh, Mr. Zinzer, I am an actor, not an orchestra. (laughs) And I refuse, I refuse to be conducted like a three-piece band. I shall read it as I feel it, and you keep your finger out of it. (laughs) But, but Mr. Montague, the character... Young man, are you telling me, Edwin Montague, how to read a character? All I would... You, you, a radio director. 
the lowest point a man can seek to and still stay out of jail for vagrancy. You dare to do what even the great Velasco never presumed to do? Tell Edwin Montague how to play a character? One minute to our time. One minute. Mr. Montague, the script is time for a certain speed. You must fit into it. I fit into this anthology of cliches. It must fit into me. Zinzer, get rid of this troublemaker. I'm going. 30 seconds. Where's my hat? Mr. Montague, we're going on the air. It's a gray Hamburg with a green feather. Sabotage! That's what it is. Mr. Montague, you can't walk out. I won't. I'll run. Shalimar Soap brings you Uncle Goodhart. Saperoni soap. He's a dirty spy. Oh, you spied. I'll pull your nose off and let the air out of your head. <laughs> we find gentle, kind, lovable Uncle Goodhart seated on the steps of his little vine-covered cottage, waiting to give comfort and counsel to the weary traveler. Listen. The show's begun. Mr. Montague, do the character any way you want to. Any way? <laughs> Very well. That must be the cottage over there, Bartley. Do you think he's home? Oh, he's got to be. It's our only hope. Oh, look. That must be he coming to meet us. Hello, Uncle Goodhart. Your cue, Mr. Montague, your cue. Here's your script. Who needs a script? <laughs> Hello, and bless you, my children, why, as I live and breathe. If it isn't Zeke Chickering's little saber-toothed offspring, Melissa. <laughs> and without a leash. <laughs> oh, no. I'll kill him. I'll shoot him down in cold blood. Why, uh, um... Uncle Goodhart, you remember me. Only because you're absolutely impossible to forget. <laughs> and who is this with you? This creature with the pre-shrunk head? <laughs> I, I, I'm Bartley Boswell, Uncle Goodhart. The, the Doc Boswell's son. Oh, Uncle Goodhart. Something terrible has happened. Bartley and I can't get married. Well, uh, I don't know which one of you to congratulate first. <laughs> uh, still, it, it would have been an extraordinary match. <laughs> get back, Mr. Springer. Let go of me, Sinter. Let me at him. Sounds awful. What else did he say on the program? Then he tells us Bartley and Miss Melissa there's only one solution for their problem. Get married, buy a little home, move in, and turn on the gas. <laughs> turn on the gas? Oh, help me. At the end of the show, they made an announcement. The ideas expressed on this program are not necessarily those of any human being. <laughs> I'm afraid something's happened to him. It's been an hour since his program was over. Maybe he's in jail. There must be a law against what he did to the air. Agnes, this is no time. Shh, here he comes. Edwin, what happened? Well, it's been over an hour since... Sorry I'm late, dear. I, I had to keep circling and backtracking to shake them off my trail. Well, the phone's been ringing continually. A Mr. Zinzer and a Mr. Springer have been trying to get you. Really? You didn't tell them where we live. Now, Edwin. I think Springer carries a gun. <laughs> I saw him reaching for something as he lunged at me when I ran out of the studio. Well, he should have caught you. I was at the bird watcher's office, but Agnes heard the program. The whole thing? The whole thing. Even... <laughs> Even... Lily, after what I did to it, radio can never recover. The theater shall live again. Oh, Agnes, there's someone at the door. Edwin, how could you have done I struck a blow for the theater. I stand here brave and unafraid. It's the Mr. Zinkin and Mr. Springer. Lily, Lily, you, you have to hide me. Uh, show the gentleman in. This way, boys. Check your hardware. Mr. Now, look here, Springer, the man who brought you up the elevator is a golden gloves champ. 
I can have him here in two seconds. Mr. Montague, if you wish me to crawl at your feet, command me. Crawl at my feet? Mr. Montague, will you ever forgive my horrible presumption in trying to tell you, the master, how to play a character? What is If you wish me to kiss your boots, command me. Look, if you came up here just to make love to my feet, you're... (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Montague, the moment Uncle Goodhart went off the air, the telephone switchboard at the station lit up like a Christmas tree. Listeners all over the country are still calling to tell us at last a real down-to-earth character has been heard on radio. A real... Why, man, you hit the nation with the impact of a howitzer. I did. How could we have been so blind? It was you with your unerring dramatic sense who knew that the public wanted a contrast to the sweet, kindly, sentimental, old homey radio characters. You gave them something new. A salty, down-to-earth, real, living Uncle Goodhart. It's the greatest thing since just plain Bill. <laughs> Uh, just plain who? <laughs> One man telephoned all the way from Council Bluffs, Iowa, just to say, yuck, yuck, yuck. It's sweeping the country. Gad. <laughs> Come, Zinza. We must let Uncle Goodhart rest so he can reach new heights in tomorrow's episode. See you in the morning, Mr. Montague. Silly, they're crazy. They're madmen. People listen to that horrible thing I did and... And they liked it. The magnificent Montague does it again. What have I done? What have I done? Well, whatever you did, dream boy, keep doing it. It means imported kippers from now on. Lily, you've missed the whole point. The whole point? Yes, it just struck me. Here I was doing my best to be bad, and I couldn't. I couldn't. What came out was great. Well, of course. Lily, I suspected it for many years, but now at last I know. I am truly magnificent. Tune in next week and find out what happens when the magnificent Montague and radio meet head on. Remember, next week, same time, same station, it's the magnificent Montague starring Monty Woolley, created and written by Nat Hyken. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And now for our second episode here on the Hump Day Happy Hour edition of the old radio comedy podcast, Aunt Agatha from the Magnificent Montague, originally broadcast on November 17th, 1950. <laughs> Broadcasting Company presents The Magnificent Montague, starring Marty Woolley. Edwin Montague, the Magnificent Montague, or as he modestly puts it himself, the greatest living Shakespearean actor on the stage, today is a broken man. This paragon of the legitimate theater, this thespian rock who sneered at anything not connected with the theater... This man today is in radio. Thanks to his wife, Lily Bowen, his one-time leading lady, Montague, the King Lear, the Macbeth of yesteryear, is today Uncle Goodhart, hero of an afternoon radio serial. It is the morning after his first program, and he is sound asleep, happy in the thought that the whole thing was a horrible dream. But his wife, Lily, is up and determined to keep him in radio. The phone is ringing in the Montague apartment. Agnes, the maid, will answer. Don't blow your top. The residence of Edwin Montague and Miss Lily Boang. Huh? Mr. Montague? He's asleep. Huh? Wake him up. Me with no accident insurance? <laughs> Who? Oh, sure. Come on over. Who is that actor? Some publicity man from the radio station to see your husband. They're coming right over. Well, Agnes, I just got him up. He's got another program today. Can you see Montague having breakfast with strangers looking on? If they can stomach it, he can. (laughs) Now, Agnes, we've got to help Edwin through this crucial period. He's doing something entirely new. He's working. 
The magnificent Montague working. This is going to throw the Unemployment Insurance Act out the window. The whole thing was built around him. <laughs> Agnes, I'm so proud of him. It's unbelievable. Edwin Montague up at 8 o'clock. A working man. A working man. Labor needs him like they need the seven-day week. <laughs> Agnes, you'd better get his breakfast ready. He should be ready soon. What stage is he at? His calisthenics. What a routine. Every morning he gets up. Half hour later, his eyes open. Then a slow shower. Combs his beard, calisthenics, warms up his voice. It's like King Tut coming back to life. <laughs> They're off at Rockingham. <laughs> Hurry, Agnes. He's exercising his strength. <laughs> Here we go, roaming the hills again. I roam the hills through golden bowers. Hurry, here he comes. Good morning, darling. I roam the Good morning, Lily. Well, darling, how is our radio star this morning? Lily, don't be revolting. <laughs> oh, here comes Agnes with your breakfast. Good morning, Uncle. You're here. This morning I had the most wonderful lingering dream. I dreamt that on your way to work you were struck by a Steinway concert grand piano dropped from the 14th floor of Carnegie Hall. You're sweet. <laughs> now, now, now. No arguments at breakfast. Oh, just imagine, Edwin. You having breakfast in the morning just like everybody else. Here, drink this. <laughs> Edwin. What is this dank, insipid liquid? It's orange juice. Orange juice? I never heard of it. <laughs> it's the juice of oranges squeezed into a glass. Why must you always be the first to try out every newfangled concoction on me? <laughs> what am I, a guinea pig? No, but you're getting warm. <laughs> Lily, will you order the domestic back to the scullery? Agnes, take it away. Bring his cornflakes. My what? Cornflakes. Corn. Corn. Wouldn't it be simpler just to turn me out into a pasture to graze? <laughs> Corn. What am I, a swine? Edwin. Let me answer that. I had my hand up first. Agnes, please. <laughs> Life has become simple for me. I live but for one thing. Her day off. <laughs> Agnes, bring Edwin's coffee. Okay, honey. Lily, you've got to do something about Agnes. The moment I open my eyes in the morning, I'm involved in guerrilla warfare. <laughs> Lily, Agnes has to go. Oh, don't be silly, Edwin. Agnes has been with us for 25 years. Well, wouldn't it be wise to get rid of her while she has some trade-in value? <laughs> oh, I've never seen you so irritable. There's something on your mind. Now, out with it. Lily, I didn't sleep a wink all night thinking about it. I'm not going back on that, that radio program. Oh, now, Ed. Lily, don't make me do it. Think of the theater lovers of tomorrow when they read about me and who's who... Edwin Montague played Othello for David Velasco, Macbeth for Daniel Froben, Richard III for Charles Dilligan, and Uncle Goodhart for NBC. Edwin. It's like asking Arturo Toscanini to play Goodnight Irene. Edwin, we've gone through this already. You're going to stay in radio. Radio? Oh, what a rogue and peasant fool am I. Peasant slave. Peasant slave am I. Edwin. Lily, sweetheart, I, I wanted to keep this from you, but... Uh, well, what is it? Lily, I am not a well man. You're not? I went to see Dr. Caldwell yesterday. I know. He phoned me. Did he mention anything? Yes, he was furious. He never wants you to step into his office again. Why not? You know why not. Dr. Caldwell was a football player at Notre Dame. Today, at 35, he's in the prime of life. Yet every time he examines you and sees the perfect physical condition you're in, it leaves him green with envy. 
that quack. <laughs> I tell you, I'm a sick man. Well, Edwin, how can you be sick? In your entire life, you've never missed your 14 hours of sleep each night. You've never eaten anything but the finest food. And you've never been close enough to anybody to catch anything. Oh, Lily, I... A sick man. Draft boards drool when you go by. Now, now, stop acting like a baby. You're going to be on that program this afternoon. No, not radio. I refuse to be a party to this electronic monster that's killed the theater. Never. Here's your coffee. I hope it isn't poisoned. Don't bet on it. Excellent. Now, Edwin, what is this nonsense about radio killing the theater? Nonsense? I read in the theater arts magazine where one afternoon radio program has five million listeners. It's called Aunt Agatha something. Aunt Agatha, 3 to 3.30, Monday through Friday, sponsored by Saperoni Soap, the soap that takes the guesswork out of romance. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's the idiot's delight. Are these people rushing to the theater to see the plays of Shakespeare, Chekhov, and Ibsen? No. It's Aunt Agatha. Aunt Agatha. Now, you listen to me, Edmund Montague. I'm going to be frank. The last time you worked was eight years ago in King Lear. The play lasted two performances, but for you, the curtain never came down. You're still taking bows. Oh, Lily, anything but radio. I know. I, I, I'll, I'll try talking pictures. I understand they're perfecting them. <laughs> you have a contract for eight weeks. The sponsor likes you. They're giving you $200 a week. You know what that means? Yes that I'm selling my soul for 30 pieces of silver. Compared to me, Judas Iscariot was a little pussycat. <laughs> I can't do it. Edwin, you have to. I refuse to stand by and watch you waste the rest of your life, dozing in your leather chair with those dreary hams in the proscenium club. Now it's my theatrical club. Go ahead, Lily. You plunge the knife into my back. Now twist it. I don't mind your proscenium club, Edwin, but must you spend all your time there? And with whom shall I spend an intellectual evening? Milton Berle? <laughs> Darling, I know they're your old friends. Friends, comrades in arms, fellow soldiers, the thin red line of loyal defenders who are keeping alive the last flickering flame of theatrical sculpture. Well, that's rather good, Edwin. Where'd you hear it? At the club. Oh. Basil Hardwick said it in his denunciation speech against Cecil Banks. So they threw Cecil Banks out of the proscenium club. And why not? The turncoat, the renegade. He took a job in radio. Lily, if they ever find out that I, too, am uh, Benedict Arnold, Oh, they can't find out. You're incognito on that program. There can't be a word, not a hint, not a bit of publicity that Edwin Montague is Uncle Goodhart. The publicity men are here. Well, don't stand there. Show the publicity men. Now, Edwin. This way, boys. Okay. There he is, your friend and mine, Uncle Goodhart. Hi, my name's Malone. If you want any cheesecake pictures, I'll be in the kitchen. <laughs> May I, uh... I'll be with you in a minute, Mr. Montague. Okay, Harry, set the camera up in that corner. Do you mind if he moves the statue of that woman? That woman is Mr. David Garrick. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, Harry, get it set up. Then go down to the car and bring up the live turkey. <laughs> turkey? May I inquire of you gentlemen just what you intend to do? Sure, sure. Here's the pitch. First, a few quick shots of you sitting at the table with the turkey. Surefire breaks and papers for Thanksgiving. Get your name and face around. Yes? Then we go after the big spreads. Wednesday, we got your book to judge your most beautiful baby contest. You know, pictures of kids sprawling all over you. A little messy, but great for the out-of-town papers. <laughs> Shows how Edwin Montague puts the heart in Uncle Goodheart. You get it? Yes. Then we hack out a few stories for the columns. How radio took Edwin Montague, a little-known actor, out of obscurity and put him in a public eye. Stuff like that. Yes. Then we take you around so you've seen it all the best places. The roller derby, hockey games, the fights at St. Nick's, maybe referee a little wrestling. Yes. 
Then we hit the fan magazines. Mr. and Mrs. Uncle Goodhart show marriage can be fun. Then hobby stuff. Pictures of you ski jumping. Building a boat in a box. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, after that, some gag pictures, you know, down at Stillman's gym, going a few rounds with Rocky Graziano, horsing around, horsing around with the showgirls at the Latin Quarter. You know, human interest. Yeah. Well, uh, that is just about the first phase of my campaign. It is? Yeah. Good. Now that you told me what you're going to do for me, may I tell you what I'm going to do for you? Okay. First, I'm going to spit in your eyes. <laughs> then I'm going to smash your camera with tripod over your head. Then I'm going to tenderly lift your unconscious body and take it to the window and drop it out. Then I'm going to rush downstairs to the sidewalk in the hope of arriving there simultaneously with your body. And then I shall proceed to stamp out any sign of life that might remain in your miserable, detestable carcass. And that, sir, will be the first phase in my campaign. I don't understand. Quiet! All you have to understand is this. If one word, one syllable, one indication ever leaks out that Edwin Montague is in radio, I shall track you down to the darkest corner of the pool room you are obviously living in. <laughs> Mr. Montague... Out! Out! Grab the camera! Out. Get out! Ah. God, that felt good. Well, now that you've had your raw meat for the day, here's your coat. You have to get to the studio for your radio program. Lily, give me one more chance. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll bit parts. I'll carry a spear. I know. I'll go to see the Schubert's right away. By tomorrow, I'll be on the road in the student prints. Drink, 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 the hearts of the... Edwin, here's your coat. Lily, where is your heart? You who have played Portia in the Merchant of Venice. Have you forgotten? The quality of mercy is not strained. It falleth as a gentle drop... Droppeth as a gentle rain. Droppeth as a gentle Edwin. rain. Here is your coat. There is no other way. Here is your coat. Thank you. Goodbye, Lily. Goodbye, Edwin. I ho, Uncle Goodheart. Away! Tonight for Duffy's Tavern. The welcome man is out at Duffy's Tavern, and your host will be the ungrammatical Archie, played by Ed Gardner. Duffy won't be there as usual, but he will be represented by his undeniably charming daughter, Miss Duffy. Clifton Finnegan and Eddie the Waiter will also be on hand to join in the mischief which Archie will undoubtedly cook up. Yes, the chimes are your invitation to top Friday evening listening later tonight with Duffy's Tavern over most of these NBC stations. And a reminder, this Sunday on NBC, it's the big show once again. An hour and a half of the best in comedy, music, and drama. And now, back to the magnificent Montague. We find him on the air just finishing up his Uncle Goodhart program. Let's listen. Oh, Uncle Goodhart. What you have told me has made me realize that I've been a spoiled, selfish girl. I shall never doubt Ronald again. Good. Yes, thanks to you, Clarissa and I are going away to build a new life together in Pittsburgh. Good. We're leaving today. Uncle Goodhart, won't you come and live with us? No, 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 my children. My place is here in my little cottage on the sunny side of the lane where I can help other weary wayfarers along the road to life. So ends another episode of Uncle Goodhart, brought to you by Shalimar Soap. And here is Uncle Goodhart with his thought for the day. <sighs> Uh, when the waves are high and the rain is hard and the wintry breezes blow and a stranger stands in the teeth of the gale, won't you step up and say, Hello? <laughs> Hello?
Okay, Mr. Montague, we're off the air. There must be a limit to what the human stomach can endure. Mr. Montague! Mr. Montague! You remember me? Must I? <laughs> I'm Mr. Springer, the producer. You did it again. The sponsor was crazy about it. Ask Mr. Zinzer, our director. The switchboard is jammed with calls. They love you. The sponsor wants a testimonial from you about Shalimar soap. Oh, very well. Uncle Goodhart says that after each broadcast, he uses a cake of Shalimar soap to wash out his mouth. <laughs> well, Mr. Montague, you don't understand what you've done. You're a sensation. I am? Do you know what you've done to Aunt Agatha? I warn you, I will deny it. <laughs> Listen to him, Mr. Zinzer. <laughs> Here you are on only the second program, and you've already stolen a million listeners away from Aunt Agatha. She's on the air directly opposite you. Million listeners? A million? You have four million listeners. Four million listeners? You mean when I talked into that perforated little box, four million? It'll be ten million before we're through. We'll drive Aunt Agatha off the air. Ten million listeners? My entire stage career playing standing room only. I have never been heard by even one million, and here in 15 minutes, ten million people. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, good morning, Edwin. <laughs> good morning, Lily. Ah, you've got my orange juice and cornflakes ready. Yum, yum, I'm starved. <laughs> well, you go ahead, Edwin. I'm sorting your mail. Imagine, only one month on the air and look. 500 letters this morning alone. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> What's funny, dear? Oh, this letter here from a lady in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Listen. Dear Uncle Goodhart, I am in love with an unemployed paper hanger. My parents want me to marry the manager of an A&P store. Dear Uncle Goodhart, what shall I do? Marry for love or money? <laughs> what is so funny about oh, that? Because a poor, confused young lady turns to the only person she has faith in. The one voice on the air she feels is a friend. Is this something to laugh at? Edwin. Really, Lily, I am shocked at your callousness. Edwin, I felt this coming on, but I was afraid to admit it, even to myself. Edwin Montague, you're taking this Uncle Goodhart seriously. Lily, the whole thing seems to have escaped you. You don't seem to understand what's happened. I took a cold, shapeless character on a piece of paper and breathed life into it. I gave it depth, understanding, sympathy. Edwin, what's happened to you? Lily, this is 1950. You must keep up with progress. I tell you, Lily, radio is the coming thing. <laughs> the coming thing? Yes, and I thank my lucky stars that I had the foresight to get in on the bottom floor. The bottom floor? Please, now the subject is closed. Agnes? Yes, Uncle? Would you be so kind as to remove that saperone soap from my bathroom? Oh, now, really, Edwin? Must the first thing that greets my eye every morning have to remind me of that aunt? Agatha? Oh, no. You're not starting on Aunt Agatha again. Edwin, you're a huge success with ten million panting listeners. And Aunt Agatha went up to eleven million. Eleven million drooling morons who would rather listen to that horrible creature than the first truly artistic program in radio, Uncle Goodhart. Edwin. Lily, I never hated anyone before, but this harridan, this... Slapper and this tear-jerking female imbecile. <laughs> she's, she's corrupting the nation. Edwin, I can't understand you. Of course you can't, Lily. But it's not your fault. You're cooped up in your office at, at the Women Bird Watchers of America. You're out of touch with modern living. Edwin, when I retired from the stage, joining the Women Bird Watchers of America gave me a new interest in life. You have your work, I have mine. I know. 
But if you could only see how radio works, can't you take just this one afternoon off from your bird watchers and, and see one of my broadcasts? I can't, dear, especially not now. The office is in an uproar. The starlings are leaving for the south. <laughs> well, let somebody else wave goodbye to <laughs> I'm sorry, Edwin. Oh, I I'll get it. Hello? Oh, one moment. It's for you, Edwin. It's Malone, the publicity man. Uh, give me that phone. Malone, you lying gastric of a worm. Why wasn't Uncle Goodhart mentioned in Winchell's column this week? And where were those big newspaper breaks you said I'd get yesterday? Four o'clock in the morning. I dragged myself down to the Fulton Fish Market to crown Miss Softshell Crab. <laughs> All I see in the papers are mentions of Aunt Agatha. Malone, get on the ball. Let's see some action. Not one line in the morning paper. Oh, Edwin, all this publicity. What if the proscenium club finds out? Oh, not a chance. I, it's all in the name of Uncle Goodhart. No pictures. I've taken every precaution. At Radio City, I use the freight elevator. Well, Edwin, I might as well show this letter to you now. It's from Jarvis, president of the proscenium club. Where is it? Oh, no. He wants to see me today. Lily, they couldn't have found out. They couldn't have found out. Ah, good afternoon, Mr. Monaghan. Hello, Henry. Here, let me take your coat, sir. You're getting to be quite a stranger here at the Proscenium Club. Busy rehearsing a Shakespeare play, I presume. Shakespeare? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. Uh, did Mr. Jarvis mention... Oh, yes. He's expecting you. Mr. Jarvis, Mr. Montague's here. Hello, Jarvis. Montague. Mm, Montague. Eh, too, Brutus. <laughs> What's wrong? I thought you'd be the last, Montague, the very last ever to betray the high ideals of the theater we proscenium's live by. Jarvis, you, you mean, you know? Yes. How did you find out? Guy Teasdale saw her. Jarvis, I had to do it. I, I was broken. Her? Who's her? Your wife, Lily. What about Lily? Montague, how could you permit her to be seen every afternoon with that renegade, that that traitor to the theater, Cecil Banks? Cecil Banks? Why, only ten minutes ago she was seen again having a drink with him in on a nondescript bar. Ten minutes ago? Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, I... Right this moment, my wife is busy in the office of the Women Birdwatchers of America. What? Are you sure? Sure? <laughs> in fact, I'll telephone her now and, and let her talk to you. Where's the telephone book? Right here, sir. Thank you, Henry. Uh, here you are. Women Beagle Breeders Association. <laughs> Women Bowlers of Mount Kis... Uh. Ah, here you are. Women Bird Watchers of America. Circle five. Oh, at, at a bar with Cecil Perkins. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Uh, Women Bird Watchers of America? I'm a starling. I just phoned to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm joking. May I please speak to your recording secretary, Miss Lily Boehm, better known as Mrs. Edwin Montague. What? No one by that name has ever been associated with your organization. For three long years... It's been Cecil Banks. The husband is the last novel. I've been betrayed. It is kind of catchy, isn't it, Agnes? Oh, it's real gone. <laughs> Say, for a woman whose husband didn't come home last night, you seem in a cheerful mood. Oh, well, Henry called. Edwin stayed at the club last night. Oh, it's good to see him take an interest in the theater again. He was going overboard on Uncle Goodhart. I'll get the door. 
Ah, here's Uncle now. Good morning, Agnes. Lily. Good morning, darling. She sings. (laughs) Did you have a good night's sleep, sweetheart? Sleep? (laughs) Agnes, will you make some more coffee? Coffee? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Edwin, what's made you so depressed? Were you snubbed by young Widow Brown? What's wrong? Wrong? Nothing at all. You must have had a big day at the office yesterday, what with the starlings and all that. Oh, oh, yes, I couldn't even get out for lunch. Oh, frailty, thy name is woman. Edwin, for heaven's sake, what's upsetting you? Sorry, my dear. It is rather old-fashioned to be in these modern times to show such emotion, just because... Just because my wife has found another man. Another man? Edwin, are you mad? 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 Oh, that these ears would fall off rather than hear her galling lies. These same ears that heard the real recording secretary, the women bird watchers, say that Mrs. Edwin Montague was never a member of their organization. Oh. Oh, that. Well, you see, as the bird watches, I go under the name of Lily Boehm. Lily Boehm. <laughs> oh, grave, where is thy victory? <laughs> Lily, stop lying. You've never been in that office. But Edwin... And for three years, it's been another man. Another man? Edwin... Silence! Did you or did you not meet clandestinely yesterday in a cheap little bar with Cecil Blank? It wasn't a cheap little bar. Oh, the brazenness. <laughs> the mean, tawdry aspect of it all. Edwin Montague, how dare you intimate a thing like that? Because I happened to meet Cecil on the street and he bought me a drink. Quiet! Do you deny that for the last three years you've been lying to me about where you were every afternoon? No! And you deny there's another man? Yes! Then explain those three years to me. Edwin... Don't ask me to. I want the truth. Lily, for heaven's sake. What were you doing every afternoon for the last three years? Well, all right, Edwin. You asked for it. Well? I'm Aunt Agatha. (laughs) Oh, no. Lily, not that. Yes. Please, please, oh... Oh, say you've been seeing another man. <laughs> say, Cecil Banks, any man. Anything but Aunt Agatha. Oh, please. Oh, not that. Yes, Edwin, I'm Aunt Agatha. But just for another two oh, weeks. Oh, that is... What do you mean, just another two weeks? Aunt Agatha's going off the air. It is? Yes. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Why, it's a good little program. Good little program, and you did a little wonderful job on it, sweetheart. But I don't understand giving up such a successful radio program. Oh, they're not giving it up. We're going on television. Oh, smart move, smart move. Yes, yes, I think so, too. Yes, great idea, great idea. I know. Well, dear, that will leave you king of the afternoon airlines. So what? The main thing, darling, is that we're still together. Sweetheart? Sweetheart. That's my little Lily. Ah, Say, I'm hungry. Agnes, cornflakes for two. (laughs) Oh, by the way, Lily. Yes? Could you explain one thing to me? Yes, Edwin? Just what is television? us again next Friday, same time, same station, for another visit with the magnificent Montague, starring Monty Woolley, written and directed by Nat Hyken. Lily Boehm is played by Ann Seymour. Agnes is played by Pert Kelton. Also heard today were Johnny Gibson, John Griggs, Art Carney, Gavin Gordon, Anita Anton, and Bob Hastings. Jack Ward was at the organ. Your announcer, Don Pardo. Times mean good times on NBC. There's fun and laughs with the chimes tonight when Duffy's Tavern goes on the air. As usual, Duffy won't be there, but Archie, played by Ed Gardner, will definitely be on hand to spread his doubtful advice where it does the most damage. And of course, 
Archie's colleagues in comedy, Miss Duffy, Clifton Finnegan, and Eddie the Waiter, will all be around to bewilder poor Archie. And a reminder for mystery, it's The Man Called X on Saturday nights. The preceding was transcribed. Now join the gang at Duffy's Tavern on NBC. I hope you enjoyed those two episodes from The Magnificent Montague, one of the most underrated classic comedy shows, in my humble opinion. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening and for all the great comments that you've left me. Our webpage, again, is anchor.fm slash old radio comedy podcast. Now, before I'd go, I'd like to leave you with one final thought to ponder as you go about your day tomorrow. What if the hokey pokey isn't what it's all about? Eh? I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. La, 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 la,